just followed this intuition and this understanding that if this is my business, I get to create my own experience. So I'm going to go for it. And I can change whenever I want. That's the thing with business. You can pivot and change whenever you want. Welcome to Sales Pipe Pros Podcast. Here's your host, Mike Petrosian. All right, everyone. Welcome to Sales Pipe Pros. Appreciate you taking the time. Today, my guest is uh, very important to me, someone I've been following for the longest time. We've worked together, but she actually walked away from a six-figure job, and that's just commissions only, to start her own company, follow her own dreams and passions, and I am super excited to have her and talk her about her experiences. Nadia Dalla, welcome. Thank you. Oh, biggest smile on my face right now, just listening to that awesome intro. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Good to, to have you, Nod. First of all, before we talk business sales, my first go-to question for everyone is, how are you doing in this crazy time right now? Oh, <laughs> I am being. That's all I can really <laughs> say. I am just being with the ebbs and flows, the highs and the lows, and just taking whatever I can from all of this, good or bad. So yeah. thank you. I'm doing well. Business-wise, I have a basically 95% of my business is all done remotely and virtually online anyway. So not much has changed there other than I lost a lot of speaking gigs for in-person events and facilitation gigs at the beginning of this. And those have since been rekindled in relationships for virtual events. It's just taken some of these organizations a long time. But Otherwise, just adjusting to the sadness and the grief and the anger that came through. I think it took me about three weeks to finally what I call like the reawakening of myself saying like, okay, I'm here. This is what I'm dealing with. This is not changing. And I mourned what was and just kind of moved on. Now that my partner is here all, all day, every day, it definitely <laughs> makes staying and working at home a different ball game and not being able to escape to cafes or even just stay outdoors in different settings or even, you know, just like being in a store or grocery shopping on the fly. That's just even kind of wild to me and does impact the daily breaks that I would implement as someone who worked remotely for a while. But yeah. It's okay. It's humbling and I'm taking all the lessons. That's awesome. So let's take a step back. Let's talk about how you actually got into sales from the get-go before your business, before joining a big corporation. How did it all start for Nadia? <laughs> I always suspect this is what happens to most people, but I always say I got into sales accidentally. Right. Oh God. I don't I don't know many people who said like I studied to be a salesperson or I went to school or my goal in life was to be in sales. But when yeah, raising my You and me both. I think the majority right. of us are like that, right? <laughs> yeah. It's just every organization needs sales and I totally understand how that's what makes business go around now and it's absolutely necessary and crucial. But I studied audio engineering. So I used to do freelance sound designing, freelance sound recording with like a big boom operating mic, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that about me, but I used to do that. And I would freelance and wait tables for two years after college because what I didn't know what to do was sell myself. 
I didn't know that being in a creative industry and studying that meant I wouldn't get a nine to five. No one ever really taught me how to freelance and have that. And I always think about it where if I knew what I know now about business and being a contractor, freelancer and and self-employed, I'd probably kill it. (laughs) But I got really burnt out, quit my day jobs of serving tables and completely quit audio cold turkey turkey and went into hospitality sales. So I did that for a year doing reservation sales, working with the sales team to hit their quotas there. Immediately knew I didn't like that. And on my one year anniversary, I um, put in my notice and because I accepted a job with booking.com under the Priceline group. Right. And I was a sales operations coordinator at first and I loved operations. So like, I don't know if you remember from when we worked together in HelloSign, I loved knowing the back end stuff and how to set things up myself. So I didn't have to rely on other people. And I think it was because of that operations role. And then I applied after a year and a half to become an account manager where Lake Tahoe market. So booking.com is hospitality sales where we had to be on the road 50% of the time. So every other week I was on the road driving to my market, which was Lake Tahoe area at first, visiting motels, hotels, there, which was kind of fun. It was a really cool area to be in. And then I eventually got um, Silicon Valley. So then I would have to start taking the 280 or the 101 down to San Jose. Oh, that's fun. With, yeah, <laughs> um, fun meeting with people like the directors of the Fairmont or something and just convincing them to give us as many room nights on booking.com as possible against our competitors. So that was a different wild sales fell into that and eventually decided to try the whole tech thing, the traditional actual techie tech thing um, and found hello sign and became their first account manager, which was really interesting. And I really believe that's when I truly learned the art of sales and negotiations so let's talk about your sales style. You were always fearless in my eyes. It was never. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah, that guy's going to pay us or yeah, that guy is going to close or that gal is going to call me back or tell us about your secret sauce. What is it that drove all those sales for you? So I think there were a number of things and I felt really hard and long about this because I knew you would ask. <laughs> and I think you're pretty much spot on. I'm such a relationship person. I do believe one of my superpowers is empathy, understanding, and another one is just being authentic and real. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't bullshit people. I don't sugarcoat anything because it just feels gross to me. Um, it just doesn't feel natural for me because I think that the best way to find solutions to problems is laying it all out on the table and really saying, what do you have? What do I have? What do we want to make? Um, (laughs) so one of the things is also owning my expertise, like really, really owning. I am the expert here for my product and service. And a lot of that had to do with me really building confidence in how I could talk about it. So My secret sauce was always making a good relationship with my stakeholders who were more technical than me. I always typed out my scripts um, and would practice them and read them and say them out loud so that I could speak a technical language. Because a lot of times we were were selling to VP of technology or we were selling to CTOs 
And that was really intimidating as someone who's seriously not technical at all. Um, So that was part of it, to be able to talk about it as if it was my natural language. And then, of course, um, the relationship building, being able Mm -hmm. to trust that I could help them or be honest with them and tell them no when I had to. Um, But relationship building is key because I just, that's exactly how I sell today too. I just, I wouldn't sell, I would not want to show up as someone I wouldn't buy from. There you go. Trust me, I don't buy from people. I'm just like, leave me alone. You're bothering me. I don't want to buy from you. It doesn't feel good. And I will always pour my money into people who I love. Even if I'm not as interested in, say, a product in a retail store, if somebody impresses me or makes me feel good about the product, I want to support them and let them know sometimes, like, hey, I'll buy this. Just because I think it's amazing that you sold me on this and I like you. Um, Absolutely. I know we had a sales methodology. We followed medic when we were at HS, but um, I forgot all that? about that. Yeah. <laughs> so are you still going along those lines or did you kind of develop your own style at this point? <sighs> That's so interesting. I just felt like a hit of nostalgia <laughs> just thinking about that. Still, so what I do for my business, I do coaching. So I do leadership and negotiation coaching. If it's for my one-on-one clients or those who want to join my group program for negotiations, we have a conversation and it's either 20 to 45 minutes, depending on if, you know, for one-on-one work, I do longer consultation calls because it's just, we're going to spend six months together for my six month program. So we want to make sure this is the right fit on both our ends and identifying pain is big still, but I'm only dealing with one person. In a sense, maybe they might say like, oh, I got to talk to my partner about this because this might be a lot of money. And oh, so there are other stakeholders. But because this is about personal development and growth, it's always about if this is only for you, think about how it's going to impact your other folks, your your partner, right. your communities, your children, your, your employers. Um, so in a sense, they are everything still. When I work with a deal with um, me to companies, you know, like basically like B2C, if you will, but um, for a facilitation gig, there are plenty of other stakeholders so that I feel like things like medic do show up because they do take longer. Oh my God, working with corporations (laughs) takes so much longer. And I don't miss that, which is why I do love the format of just working from individual to individual. Um, But I would say I still hold on to the relationship. I still talk through their pains and how my solution can help with that. That's always the case for anything I do. Yeah, yeah, but there's just no method other than really showcasing the value that's the biggest thing where it's not dollar for dollar it's not paying me by the hour because say I do two 45 minute sessions a month I don't think about this as oh you're paying me x amount per hour it's no you are literally paying me to help you transform your life how much is that worth yeah right so it's the value always values driven 
Absolutely. So let's dive into it. You walked away from a gold mine to follow your dream. I know that's going, that's like daunting to some other people, but in my opinion, that's very inspirational. I, I kudos to you for taking that type of leap. So one, why, <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> Is this why you brought me on? So you can find the answer. <laughs> well, okay. I had zero intention of starting a business. I actually took a self-funded career sabbatical with zero plans. And that was to take care of my own mental health and my own, um, I had a lot going on. I think you remember I was going through an immigration process with my partner and oh, yeah, that's right. that was really, it was a really hard time. It was a really hard time. I know it took time. a toll on you. If, yeah, I remember it took us a toll. talking about There's, it. There was just something about, you know, when you can't control anything. And I was going through therapy, which as a coach, I believe that that time was my um, gateway drug into the coaching world, right? Into the self-development, self-growth world. Um, and through that, I recognized how unhappy I was that I couldn't control this. And then I thought, oh, what else can I control? And I hate to say it, I hated being quota driven. I hated being in sales. And I actually expressed to Brian, even a year before I said, Hey, cause I'm not afraid to say it. Like sales makes me unhappy right now. I believe I am meant for something else. Can you help me find something within here? Like even I was interested in product or maybe customer success management, but I just was not into the process of sales anymore and quotas and X, Y, Z. I just knew in my bones, something else was there. Um, and so I took a sabbatical to kind of just decompress, to heal, to figure it out. And coaching fell into my lap. And then the more that I explored it, the second it came up to me that I should explore coaching, that is literally all I've thought about since July, 2017, Mike, that is, it has literally been coaching, coaching, coaching every second of the hour. And as I explored training and certification, little by little, I would also hire my own coaches, business coaches. I've always had one because you drink your own Kool-Aid. You have to. I have always hired business coaches. And one of my first coaches helped me recognize that I was meant to pursue entrepreneurship because you can take coaching and take it back to sales, right? One of the biggest leadership skills you could ever have is coach skills. But I just knew I wasn't ready to re-enter the workforce that way. And it just turned into this little by little, all right, I guess I'm starting a business. And then <laughs> six months in, okay, still in business. And then, gosh, like basically two and a half, three years later, I'm full on. This is it. I'm only doing this. I'm making just as much as I did in tech, right? And I plan to make more because it's not fixed income. I plan to crush it and expand this somehow. But um, so I do want to get the credit that I didn't necessarily follow my dreams to start a business, um, but now I am. It, it slowly turned into something much more intentional, but I did leave to see what else is out there and just kind of create space for that. Yeah. And that well, was because I followed some sort of intuitive voice. Well, the fact that you realized that you were struggling personally and to walk away from something that lucrative to take care of yourself, I feel like anyone could take a page from that book because I can't tell you how many times, not just in the organizations that we worked with and 
overall our networks. But I can't tell you how many times in my family and my friend circles alone I hear, dude, I hate my job. I don't want to go tomorrow. I don't want to attend that forecast meeting. I don't want to call that gal back. Like, yeah. why do you do it then? <laughs> you have one life to live. Your eyes will close eventually, whether next year, next 10 years, yes. sometime. Yes. And you only get one shot at this beast. <laughs> you know? you You're not going to come exactly back. It. And it's so interesting because I'm in the realm of helping folks like that in tech. So I coach women yeah. of color in tech. And these are the exact problems I help them with. Absolutely. There are a lot of things they experience too on top of that, like microaggressions and sexism, racism in the workplace on top of that. But then there's also this beast of, I just don't like what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> and so what are you doing then? Right. And not everybody wants to start their own business. Some, many of my clients want to stay opted into tech, but they just don't know how to stay fulfilled and stay passionate and happy in it. So yeah, mm. you're right. It's, it's hard. And I, I know what it is now. It's security. It's self-sabotaging thoughts. It's um, basically lack of confidence. It's the normal. It's the status quo. Even during the pandemic, people are still even more so, oh my gosh, I have to stay secure. But then there's all these other beautiful beings, not to say the other one isn't beautiful, but there's all these other beings that are like, this pandemic has given me a kick in the butt to realize, gosh, yeah. what have I been doing? Absolutely. All this time. It's very interesting. Absolutely. So your niche market is very inspirational. A woman of color in tech. I mean, that's as niche as it probably gets. Um, is that, did you start that niche because it's always something you had in the back of your mind? Was it because of personal experiences, all of the above? Tell me a little bit about why, you know, specifically harness that channel when there's so much more opportunity out there too. Um, I think it's all of the above for sure. I had business coaches that guided me into finding what the niche, like the niche was. And as I like to say, I niched up, not niche down. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. So I did market research. I interviewed communities or people that I was interested in doing coaching for. So I did first generation Americans and immigrants, right? I, I interviewed a lot of that, mainly women. And then I also interviewed women of color. I even did some interviews with introverts because I recognized that a lot of my starting clients were identified as introverts. That one, I quickly canceled all my interviews after four because I just was like, oh, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. What really interested me the most were the you know, first generation Americans and new immigrants to the US as well as women of color. And I just chose women of color because it just felt so right. It just felt like I could speak from my own truth of how difficult it is to navigate, right? Just because we do have being at the intersections of gender and race and sex and race, there's just like these unique internal battles that we have to address that women of color aren't equipped for oftentimes because no one taught us how to be confident. They taught us how to, like society, our cultures, even our parents taught us to be good girls. And that's it, right? And I'm sure you've experienced this a lot with some of your women counterparts in your life that for you, you might just be like, oh, well, this is what you do. And for us, we're like, we can't just yeah. do that. <laughs> you know? And so I, I recognize little by little, okay, that's what I'm going to go for. And a lot of people 
told me, you don't have to do that. Women of color might not pay. Um, coaching isn't necessarily something that women of color are used to investing in. And I thought that was BS already because I was like, I have invested thousands in therapy and in coaching already. So that is automatically false to me. Right. And I just followed this intuition and this understanding that if this is my business, I get to create my own experience. So I'm going to go for it and I can change whenever I want. That's the thing with business. You can pivot and change whenever you want. But the cool thing is I started with leadership coaching and the things that I changed was adding in negotiations over time, which I thought was really cool. And that happened organically because when you help someone like women of color up level their leadership, guess what? Suddenly they're like, oh, wow, I deserve more money. Or they're like, <laughs> wow, I should go after that promotion. I thought that I wasn't good enough for, but I know I'm good enough for that promotion now. Or, wow, I'm in the wrong industry. I'm in the wrong job. I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm terribly unhappy. I'm ready to move. And guess what? All of those require negotiations. And then I noticed in me, probably the old sales stuff, right? I was just like, oh, cool. Let's get into this. Let me see what I can help you with this. And then I started studying more negotiations specifically for pay, this, that, and pulling in the sales tactics, like the power of the pause, even all of that stuff is so useful in negotiating your pay or your rate or promotion or even your recognition and influence. So that part just got a year later, just got slapped on. And that's awesome. I don't know it went. That's amazing. The fact that you are finding success in that type of niche market is absolutely inspiring to me. Um, as an immigrant myself, you know, I, I watched a lot of women being forced into lives, not just careers, lives that they didn't want to be a part of. Like, Hey, you have to get married, have kids, stay in the kitchen. This communist lifestyle is pretty crazy. So <laughs> Um, the fact that you are focusing that specifically, that specific niche market and helping our ladies of the world really strive and realize that they're better is very inspiring. And I can't, be <laughs> can't thank you enough for thank pointing our, our ladies in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I love it. I think I'm addicted to it, if anything, because honestly, it helps me with my own growth and development, too. So Absolutely. it feels easy almost. <laughs> And last question for you, Nod, you know, given what everything, your success, everything that you've done, what's next for your business? Do you want to hire employees? Did you want to just focus specifically working on this yourself? Did you want to start a course program and just uh, kind of take you more online to do passive income? All of it. Well, all all of the it. above. <laughs> um, no, I, I really love that you're, you're, you're basically thinking about all the things that someone who is a coach can do or service provider can do. Um, I've had one contracted employee since July of last year. So we're about to hit a year together. So I have a content manager and strategist awesome. that because I knew, I mean, and that's probably why you've been able to see so much of me more often because I knew that I couldn't do that on my own. I got so much in my head about posting my own face about posting my own words where I used to up until July of last year or June, I used to only post twice a month. And I just knew that I could not grow this business without building a social media presence and building sales funnels online. So I had already, I have that. I would love to hire her full time because I want her to be just mine. <laughs> 
Um, and she has truly up-leveled and just been remarkable. And I have tried hiring a virtual assistant, didn't work out. So I'm looking for a better fit with that because I just, with all the back-end processes, I'm over it. I want to go more into the visionary state and just the coaching state. I would love that to be the majority of my time. But unfortunately in business, it's always the other way around. 20% of what you love, 80% of the BS. Um, <laughs> so I want to outsource that. I would love to grow a team, a full-time team or even part-time team mix of folks to help. Um, I do have my one-on-one program for six months at a time through Nadia Dayala Coaching. And I also am launching my third cohort for the Badass Woman of Color Negotiators Group. It's a 10-week program that starts mid-June. And it is for self-identified women of color to up-level their confidence, their leadership, and their wealth. So that's the next one. And then I would love to create a course for passive income and basically evergreen funnels to be constantly putting through it. That that is the goal. And I have a feeling it's going to be around negotiations. I just don't know when. (laughs) (laughs) One, this is where it's just outsourcing is key to me and investing in other people to do what I can't do myself is crucial. Absolutely. Well, you've done phenomenal. So I have all the confidence in the world that you're going to continue crushing it out there. Once again, congratulations on all the success. Really appreciate what you're doing. Don't forget to stay in touch because I feel like we don't talk as often as we should. I know. You too. Two now that we live three. in Oakland together, absolutely. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, folks. Once again, Nadia Dalla, founder of Leadership and Negotiation Coaches for Women of Color. You can find her on NadiaDaalla.com. I'll put those links in the actual channel. Thank you again, Nadia, for your time. Stay Thanks, in touch. Mike. Yeah, bye. Thanks for joining. For more episodes, visit salespipepros.com.